Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Self Love and Shadow Work Podcast. I am your host, Jackie Sharp, and I'm here with my friend Tawny of the Woodland Priestess, aka the Woodland Priestess. So, hello, Tawny. Hey, thanks for having me. It's always fun to connect with somebody else who plays in the realm. I have to tell you, though, right out of the gate, one of my favorite things about uh, connecting with you is you're someone who embraces shadow. So I just want to say props to you because very few people in the love and light world, and if you could see me, you would see the air quotes and a bit of an eye roll, um, that uh, are, are afraid. They're afraid of the dark. And that's uh, one of the things that I love about being part of your community is we're not afraid of the dark. And I guess that's a great way to say, hey, everybody, I'm Tawny. I'm not afraid of the dark. There's a fun fact. In fact, my name was gifted to me by spirit. And it means one who sees in the dark. Uh, it is from my owl gifts of um, the ability to hear and see things that most people overlook or don't see. And that's both a blessing and a curse. It depends on what I'm seeing or hearing in you and whether you want to hear or see it too. That's basically how it works. And I get to play in the realm of, uh, of energetics and nature and bring all of that into helping people reconnect their mind, body, and soul by aligning back to our natural state of being, which is one with nature and all living things. So that's who I am. I'm a mama. I got a five-year-old. Keeps me on my toes. Luckily, he loves to bond in nature too. So we spend a lot of time outside in the natural world. We homeschool, which is to say we kind of unschool. We uh, ultimately, we go where he's interested. We spend a lot of our learning outdoors and the rest in books and YouTube and just in play. And I'm a big fan of, for anybody who's a homeschooler who tunes in, I'm a big fan of Charlotte Mason and Rudolf Steiner and some of those old philosophies that we can have spiritual children if we give them space to be spiritual. And it reminds me that I can unlearn everything I've ever been taught about who I am and who I need to be and uh, take my clients on that journey with me. So I'm grateful that I have that five-year-old because uh, he's ultimately the, the key inspiration behind turning up each day and, and trying harder. Mm -hmm. they're they're very much um pure very very much that pure soul energy and when you work in a lot of shadow work you see a lot of your own shadows in your children you're just like oh crap you know mm -hmm. <laughs> i know with my do own I kids. ever yeah <laughs> do i, I ever with my own oh kids. i know where you got that from <laughs> yeah always always something yeah. it's like okay now we need to heal that together let's work through this. <laughs> I don't know how you found it, but for me, I found the younger years were the hardest. Um, and I don't know what age your, your, yours are, but my little guy, it was the, the first three years of his life put me in a tailspin of, uh, of growth, right? Like yeah. I literally, um, you know, thank goodness I had, um, yoga and yoga teacher training and, um, other ways to, ground and, and move through all I was experiencing. But those first three years of his life, man, they aren't kidding me when they say you, you, you rebirth with your child, because everything that I saw reflected back from him, that was without a doubt, those three years were the hardest shadow work uh, of my life. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, my, my oldest is eight, and my youngest is three. So I, I definitely see that. And I didn't really start my own uh, journey until around a year and a half ago. So it, it's been quite the interesting time. The more I've noticed my daughter's projections and my projections, uh, it's been interesting. So tell us. Well, um, go ahead. 
Yeah. I was just going to say, I think each child probably tell, teaches us different things too, which is, you know, part of the, part of the magic. Yeah, for sure. So tell us a bit about your story and, you know, how you found you, how you, you know, began your journey. I think what's fascinating is I'm not done with my story. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that question <laughs> because uh, I don't know the answer. The answer is I can tell you parts of it because I've lived those parts. And uh, I guess it all sort of started in about 2001. I was first introduced to Reiki. Um, it took me almost a decade before I got my Reiki master's. And uh, what that did do was open my eyes to energy. I didn't understand energy. I didn't understand chakras. I didn't even, um, you know, I just didn't look at the world through an alternate lens until Reiki. And so it really was kind of like the gateway drug to spirituality for me. It opened up my, it opened up my world to possibility. Um, I was not ready at that time in my life to even consider living a spiritual life. So despite the fact that I grew up in nature, I spent a lot of my time uh, out working, talking to plants. Um, I've, I've, I've worked on farms. I rode horses. I hiked. I camped. I was a lake girl. I still wasn't ready to um, you even contemplate spirit's message of this is what you're supposed to do. So I decided to numb like crazy. I dove into a life of worldly travel. I am a Sagittarius at heart. And I, I got rid of everything except for what I could carry on my back. And I traveled the world. Um, I did working holiday visas. I lived in Australia. Um, I avoided places like Sydney and Melbourne other than to check in. And I lived in hardcore outback Alice Springs, uh, just outside of the center of, of, of Uluru, the middle of Australia. I lived in remote Kununurra, uh, an area called the Kimberley, um, where you actually can't get in and out in the wet season. Um, I lived in really hard, authentic rural places because spirit was still trying to get my attention, but I wasn't ready to listen. Um, and I continued that and I, I moved through Europe. I was a tour guide through Europe. And the beauty of all of those travel experiences is it kept me uh, in line with two things that are core to my, my personality, which is a love of people, um, a natural ability to make people feel safe when they're around me and therefore able to help them experience whatever is in front of them, whether it's the Great Barrier Reef or uh, the Eiffel Tower. And um, it also kept me in nature. It kept me outside and it kept me away from the nine to five because just, that's just not who I am. So luckily all of my life story kind of kept doing that until um, I land, I ran out of visas. <laughs> so I ended up back in Canada. I was, uh, I was working on a ski hill as a ski rep in, in France. And one of the girls was like, man, I'd love to go to Canada and, and work in the Rocky mountains, taking people for horseback rides. And I went, Oh, well, actually I ride horses and I'm Canadian. That's a good idea. So I fired off a couple of emails and I got myself a job and I spent five years out in Alberta. Um, in 2011, I was diagnosed as a celiac. So I went through a massive health journey. And when I walked into the grocery store back in 2011, they were like, oh, here's a little shelf with stuff celiacs can eat. Sorry, the rest of the grocery store is not for you. And I just don't, I don't do well with things like that. I'm like, that can't be. So I put myself back in college and I went to school to study agriculture because I needed to understand food. I had to understand food systems because that's just who I am. When I go down a rabbit hole, man, I'm all or nothing. And, and away I went. And so I went and I learned and I discovered and I went, uh-oh, um, this, is, this isn't going to work. There, there's something wrong here. And I luckily got 
introduced into the permaculture world. And for anybody who doesn't know, permaculture is basically um, a way of bringing culture and design into working with all of nature so that things work together and life is supposed to be in harmony and in flow. That's kind of it in a nutshell. Yes, it is gardening, um, but it's it's bigger than that. And so as I started learning that, I went, oh man, this is way more valuable and way more in alignment with who I am than what agriculture is. But the two did work together. And about that time, I so I went back to school, I'm a celiac, and I found out I was Métis. And all of a sudden, um, my, my great-grandmother had taken a residential school survivor all of our history to the grave and an uncle had uncovered it. And so away we started going down this big journey of figuring out who we were, um, what our heritage was, and uh, it it started shaking up this um, underlying understanding of why I love gardening, why I love food, why I love nature, and, and started almost to give me the first permission slip to be me. And as the path just kind of kept winding, I ended up uh, using that permaculture agriculture degree working for an incredible woman called Samantha Orthley, who runs Senses of the Soul. And I lived and worked on her botanical plant sanctuary, which is where I really got into herbal medicine, but also understanding plant spirit medicine, which is the psycho-spiritual way you can work with plants, not just eating them, and deepened my work with uh, archetypes and understanding the way we function from more of a mind, body, soul perspective. Um, while I was working and living with her, I found myself pregnant, as sometimes happens in life. And I was going to be a single mom right from the beginning and decided that I should move back to Ontario to be where my parents were, which is how I landed back on this side. And uh, my son transformed my whole journey. Um, after having him, I got sick again with hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's. And uh, I had an out-of-body experience. I saw him laying on the floor and went, this kid's going to be an orphan. I better figure this out because no one's going to figure it out for me. The medical model had failed me. They uh, wanted to give me antidepressants that the number one side effect was uh, suicide. They also said that because I lived alone, I was at greater risk for suicide because nobody would be monitoring or watching me for symptoms. And so I sat there holding these and looking at this baby going, well, the whole point of going to the doctor was to not make him an orphan. And, and this is going to do that. So I, I got to get, I got to get this together. And it, and it just started a spiral where again, I went deeper and I started finding yoga and I found medical intuition. Um, I, I just kept diving deeper into healing myself, which I, I feel like is common among most people who take on this line of work. It's through their own experience, their own journey that they then are able to turn up and help other people. And so it's, uh, uh, been a, a big journey of of learning and growth and healing and here I am healthy and whole and 41 and fitter than I've ever been and happy and um, sure I, I feel depression and you know anxiety like any other human being when I'm out of alignment yeah. when dis-ease settles into my body because I'm not living my truth but I have tools now on calling myself out and I'm always willing to turn up and do the work thank you to that five-year-old who continuously inspires me so it's a big story, but you know, that's where I'm at right now on the path. And uh, that whole um, figuring out our Métis heritage inspired a big family shift. And so we we actually, we left city life behind us and, and we're out uh, living on a beautiful Canadian rocky ridge, um, part of the Canadian Shield in uh, Lake Country, where I'm working really hard to bring the Anishinaabe Moan language and um, indigenous styles of gardening back to the land uh, that I'm stewarding. So it's, um, you know, it's become this beautiful, 
beautiful package <laughs> where uh, healing has, has been continuous. And I don't, for any, you know, I don't think I'm done. Let's go with that. But I feel like the wisdom of where I've been to to this point is um, is is valuable, and I can help a lot of people experience and grow. Love it. That's a great story. I mean, everyone's story is unique. Everyone's story gets them to that point where they desire to be. So even if it's not good, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about the not good parts. <laughs> How has shadow work played a role in your whole journey? It was the hardest. Um, shadow work to me is going to the place you don't want to go. And I think of shadow work being that six-year-old kid who's having nightmares in her room and is afraid of the dark and needs to turn on the light. You know, and I'm so afraid of what's there that I can't even turn the light back off because it'll be there. And so that's what walking through my life was like. I just kept trying to turn on the light. Well, if I keep moving, if I don't stop, and if I keep that love and light going, then I never have to be in that dark space. Um, I'm really stubborn. <laughs> it's also known as perseverance. However, um, I'm, I can be very stubborn. And so I, I just kept finding ways. I'm like, don't worry, universe. I know how to create more light. Watch me. Um, so I don't have to go there. I don't have to be in the dark. And, you know, I did that until, of course, the disease got monumental and manifested in a way that I had no choice. I had to stop. You know, it started with celiac, which changed the whole direction of my life. And then Hashimoto's again changed the whole direction of my life because I had to stop and figure out what the dis-ease in my body was all about. And those dark places, um, that shadow work, there's a few different ways I got there. You know, a lot of it was ugly crying. Um, a lot of it was alone ugly crying. Um, some of it, I, my greatest tool is so simple, uh, is a journal. Um, a lot of journaling so I could just pour it out because until I could get even some of it out, I couldn't actually pick apart what was true. And that's a big thing in shadow work. There's a lot of story around the dark, a lot of fear around the dark that's just story. And we're not even actually at the root of, of what's underneath all of that. So the journaling was a big, you know, big piece. And getting, uh, getting really uncomfortable. The shadow for me is a lot of unlearning and undoing what I've been told to believe that took me away from what's actually my truth. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of the way I see shadow work. Yeah. It kind of like veers you down a different path. And a lot of us become consumed by it. We're either really consumed by it or we reject it. We reject it completely yeah. because it's so uncomfortable. It's so yeah. unlike us to to feel that way when really there's a reason we're all feeling that way. There's a reason why it's all showing up. And it's interesting, you know, if we were okay with uncomfortable and if we were okay with this understanding that, the dictionary has a million, okay, maybe not a million, but it has a lot of words for feelings and emotions for a reason. Mm -hmm. we're, they're within us. And if we were able to remove that judgment of good and bad feelings, I feel like shadow work wouldn't be as daunting. A big part of getting into the shadow work is overcoming the preconceived judgment of why feeling uncomfortable is bad. And I always say, that and especially now for me um whenever shadow starts to surface again i'm like all right take my hand let's go for an adventure i'm in because i'm gonna grow 
it doesn't mean I like it. I know I sound excited right now, um, but it doesn't mean I like it. I don't always like what I have to see. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I love it. You know, sometimes going head to head with the shadow aspect of the saboteur reminds me how courageous I am. Sometimes going head to head with the prostitute reminds me self-love. They're not bad. They are aspects of growth. And and yes, they can be uncomfortable, but they can also be, um, just like my social media post today, hauntingly beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's how I see it. It's interesting. I never used to see it that way. I never used to, I always would be in that uncomfortable space. I was that polarity of pure shadow, pure, you know, self-loathing, not feeling yeah. worthy of everything. That was me like a year and a half ago. I was very much there. I don't know how you feel about this, but I wouldn't say that's just shadow work. I'd say that's being stuck in the dark. (laughs) And there's a difference. You know, I don't think that we have to go into the dark and wallow or, you know, or literally be stuck or slammed in. It's, it's an experience to flow through and move through. But if we're stuck there, you know, enter guides. This is where people like you and I come in. Um, we don't, we're not, I don't believe we're here to suffer. You know, I just don't. Yeah. Um, it's not what we incarnated for. Yes, we, we incarnated for experiences. And some of that can be difficult or painful, but I don't believe that we're put on earth to suffer. I just don't. And so if we get to a point where we can't get out of self-made suffering, and I will absolutely call it that, then then we need help and that's okay too right Mm -hmm. that's another stigma that we're supposed to do everything alone um, that we should fear other people that's that's all conditioning yeah i feel that (laughs) i like this question a lot of people struggle to answer this question but i feel like you got it so (laughs) how do you implement self-love and self-care into your story Hmm. yeah that's a good one so (laughs) My first answer is it's a practice. Yeah. It's not like a, yes, I got self-love. I got this, you know, and it's for life. Um, I'm 41 and I spent a good 40 of those years not really understanding self-love. So to expect myself to have it perfect is ridiculous. It's just not going to happen. What I can do is notice when I have stepped out of that practice. Um, and how do I know that? I stop feeling well. You know, um, I look for signs of overwhelm. Uh, am I anxious? You know, are there dark thoughts that don't make sense? You know, what's, you know, what's going on to show me that I'm again, a little bit out of alignment. Um, how do I keep bringing it back and how does it turn up for me in relationships? The projection that I get back from the people in my life, whether it's business and clients, whether it's uh, people I get to do podcasts with, whether it's people I am uh, spending my intimate time with and in my family, that is how I measure my self-love because what is being reflected back to me is how I'm walking, what I'm saying I'm okay with. And I will tell you that whenever I am out of alignment and I've dropped my boundaries and I'm back loathing myself, I get treated like shit because I'm not authentically who I am supposed to be. Now, that's not to say I don't have conflict. Of course I do. Um, But conflict isn't the same as being in cyclical patterns that are built upon poor boundaries and built upon lack of worthiness. They're completely different. Conflict in a healthy relationship is, I don't like this right now. Something's irking me. I need to grow. Um, We can work on this through healthy communication. No self-worth is 
well, whatever you say goes, or you're making me feel this way, or I can't do this. And it's all kinds of, of negative um, self-talk and and things that just, you know, begin to spiral into old, old patterns. Does that answer your question? It does. Okay. <laughs> it does. And, okay. So I'm going to ask, uh, within your development, within your path, you're going on your journey. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, how you experience your journey. How do I, how I've experienced it? Mm-hmm. In the mm. sense of like the polarities, right? The, the light and darkness polarities. How have they kind of balanced, meshed uh, on your journey? So I think that varies depending on the time of my life. Um, you know, so in my younger years, especially before having my son, um, the darker days were rid with um, a lot of alcohol, um, a lot of uh, trying to numb from pain and massive, massive second chakra um, imbalances, just massive. Um there, the, the light in those opportunities is, you know, I would hit these rock bottoms and think I'd hit bottom and then go seeking tools. And I would find, um, you know, a course to take or, um, a, a circle to go sit in on, or, you know, something that would bring me a little bit back into the light. Um, having my child, um, I went through some really dark times, both because I was physically so sick and also because my father, my father suddenly passed away. Um, and those dark days saw me, um, you know, just not as vibrant, um, not as out there in the world, a little bit more withdrawn, um, a lot of crying behind closed doors, um, a lot of dedication just to spending time with me, a lot of rest, a lot of rest, a lot of sleep, more sleep than I think I've ever slept in my life. Um, (laughs) A lot of um, just spending time with him because I couldn't handle anything else. Life was hard. So when I'm in those dark places, life is hard and I can't take on hardly anything. And when I'm in those light places, I have energy that flows and and I can go anywhere, do anything. And I can walk through life with ease. Not that I'm immune to what's going on around me, but I can weather it. I can flow through it. And that's really um, the big differences between where I was and where I've gotten to. The ups and downs, being able to go with them instead of being fearful of one or the other is is crucial. Yes. For, for doing that, for going forward. It was interesting. And I, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I find they don't last as long. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing. I, and so I, I'll always say, you're never, you've never arrived. When you've arrived, you've died. Okay? So you're constantly going to be peeling off layers. And, and what I believe is that as you're peeling off layers, you know, certain things will become easier and you'll still go into these big learning opportunities, but you move through them with a different sort of grace, the more wisdom, the more experience, the more uh, inner work that you've done. And the lows of shadow work and the, the duration for me has absolutely gotten incrementally much smaller. I don't need to be there as long to get the lesson, the opportunity, and to alchemize it and move back into a state of uh, self-empowered action. All right. So let's talk about this energy, this energy of the universe right now, the universal energy shifting. How are you experiencing the collective energies and the polarities of, you know, darkness and light within the collective energy? 
Oh, that is such a great question. Um, it's interesting because a lot of psychics and seers called this the dark winter and it's been spoke of. And I went, you know, I sort of went all up in my head and I was like, okay, my logical mind says, this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. And, and, and the fear of man, yeah, it escalated. And I thought, okay, these kind of lockdowns are going to happen and um, military's coming in and, and all of these things. And all of a sudden, what I realized is the dark winter was happening in the collective. I couldn't access the collective anymore. I felt like I had been shut out of a lot of that cosmic space that I'm so comfortable usually floating through, especially in the dream time for me. Um, but often even just in, in any kind of waking meditative moment, if I'm doing something repetitive, I can access it and everything was gone. And so I realized that that's what the dark winter was meaning to me was I had been shut out and that the military I was picking up on in one form is without a doubt those trained cosmic beings that are in the collective right now working at helping us transition into that golden age, that age of Aquarius and are taking out those beings that have been messing with humanity for about 200,000 years. And so it is happening and I can feel it. Sometimes I'm agitated and I mean agitated. Um, I'm restless. I can't sleep. I want to crawl out of my skin. Um, there are, and it's collective, you know, it's not mine. It is collective. Um, and, and then there are moments where it's just silence and that's eerie for me too. So it's, it's been, it's definitely been, uh, up and down. Um, the biggest feeling now it's actually only within 24 hours. So it's interesting. We're having this conversation today. Um, it was yesterday, I believe that the, I, uh, the sun came up and, and imagine this, you know, you go to the bathroom and if you've got kids or not, you know what a dirty mirror looks like in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And finally you're like, Oh God, I've got, I, yeah, I can't take it anymore. I'm going to clean it. And you clean the mirror off. And all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, look at how clear the image is. That's what happened looking at the sunrise for me yesterday. It was honestly as if somebody had cleaned my eyeballs. And all of a sudden I was seeing in, in such clarity, I went, Oh, we've shifted again. Um, I'm, I'm back in the collective is moving forward again. Um, what I was not meant to know is has passed and I'm still not meant to know, but I'm, I'm flowing again and, and things have opened up. So I, I honestly, there are certain beings that I do believe have incarnated here who are tapped in at a much grander cosmic level. And I'm not always up there. My work is a bridge down here, helping people transition into living a new way of life, unlearning what they've done. That being said, the more we unlearn, the more we do start feeling the collective around us. And it's uh, a part of that practice. It's a part of learning to feel it, name it, sit with it, and, and, and find ways to process and flow it through us. But my ultimate belief is we do that in nature. We do that by remembering we are interconnected to all living things. And our natural state of being is natural in nature air quotes on both nature and natural. <laughs> That's how we process why we're here. It's how we remember what we're here to do. And it's where we get the most out of this incredible gift of being alive right here, right now. 
It's a hundred percent a mindset shift. And every time we slide into it's happening to us, we've given away all of our power. Uh, we're completely disempowered. We're in a complete victim state. And I'm not saying that things aren't hard and I'm not being, I'm not being trite. I'm not saying that this is easy. I'm not saying that, um, we get all spiritual and you will flow through everything. The world flows at you like nothing around you is ever happening. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is it's all part of the experience that we chose to have. And it's part of the gift of being here, but we have to look for the opportunity in all of it. That's our free will. That's part of the contract of being human is using our own will. No one's going to do it for us. So I do believe that this is an incredible time to be here. Yes, there are times where I'm like, could it go a little faster? Because, you know, this is a little hard right now. Um, but uh, again, this is where when you settle into your true belonging and find safety within and you know your worth of being here as part of the experience, then you surround yourself with community, stay connected to nature and and everything shifts and it's a different it's it's a it's an exciting experience i agree i agree it is exciting i'm i'm not the type of person that spends a lot of time in nature but i need to uh that's actually one of the things that i am constantly called out for they constantly call out my bs for not getting outside for not going to the river which i live by very very close in fact uh by not getting yeah. out there and getting in that energy constantly every day grounding get grounded i'm like oh okay <laughs> I'll try to fucking just step, some time. Step outside your front door. Start with baby steps. Just step outside your front door and let the sun hit your skin for five minutes. Start there. It makes all the difference. I feel that. I feel that. It like as soon as I walk outside, I do. Like I get it. But at the same time, there's like so there's that shadow polarity conflict in me that's like here. Like this is you don't have to go outside. Stay inside. And the lights like come out. And it's, yeah. it's a struggle. <laughs> What do I do? I get it. (laughs) Those struggles are real. They're real. That's why we need accountability partners. Very true. Very, very true. So how can our listeners connect with you? I am on Facebook. I have a business page, The Woodland Priestess, which is also my handle on Instagram. I have a website, woodlandpriestess.com, that explains a little bit more about who I am and the different services that I offer. Um... I'm big on connection, so people can fire me off an email at tawny at woodlandpriestess.com or uh, pay attention to my socials, comment, engage. I'm um, somebody who will always get into a good conversation. So, you know, just uh, just by being on my page and interacting, you can pull some pretty big nuggets out of me as a, as a human or turning up on my lives um, sometimes can get you way more than you bargained for. And, uh, and it's a great, it's a great thing. So that's usually the best places uh, to find me. Um, you know, who knows what the world will do. Maybe one day I'll be able to bring more people here on property to experience uh, the plant sanctuary that I'm, I'm working towards. But for now, the online realm is the best way to connect. Awesome. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun. <laughs>